Welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA players, legends, and the top instructors in the game share their insights and playing lessons. Join Chris every Tuesday night as he talks with the greats of the game. Tonight's show is sponsored by the French Lick Resort, the PGA Tour Superstore, the Bobby Jones Apparel Company, Ben Hogan Golf, Two Under, Taylor Made Golf, and Golf Pride. Now, here's your host, Chris Mascaro. Good evening, folks, and welcome to Next on the Tina. Don't worry. I've washed and sanitized my microphone. Be sure to turn up the volume a little bit because you got to, you know, take the speaker and move it six feet back. We got to have that social distancing tonight. And I don't want anyone to get sick. We don't need any of that thing going on. But I'll tell you what, folks, here on Next on the T, we're still open because it's important to bring you the best stories and instruction in golf. And since fun hasn't been quarantined, let's have some of that tonight. And speaking of tonight, excited to get to share with you a pair of Hall of Famers and our resident director of instruction. And first up with me tonight is going to be two-time major champion and Florida State Hall of Famer Jane Geddes. Jane won the 1986 Women's U.S. Open and the 1987 LPGA Championship. We'll touch a little bit on some of those memories. Plus, I want to get her thoughts on the unprecedented events that we've got going on over the last few weeks and, and the impact it's having on all the tours out there. And we'll also Talk about another part of her career. She was the vice president of talent relations for the WWE. So really looking forward to hearing those stories and having Jane back as part of the show. She'll join me in just a few minutes. Following her, I'm going to get a return visit from Richard Zokel. Richard helped BYU win the national championship in 1981. He won twice on the PGA Tour. He also won the 2001 Canadian PGA Championship. I want to get some thoughts tonight from Richard about where do we go from here for the rest of the PGA Tour season with the Masters, with the Players' Championship? Have we lost them both? Looking forward to getting Richard's thoughts on that. We'll also talk about how players get caught up in the results instead of the process of winning. Guys like Jordan Spieth, right? Is that is that part of his problem? Brooks Kepka, he's struggling a little bit right now. Is that his problem? We'll hear what Richard has to say about that and a whole lot more. He'll join me at the bottom of the hour. Then we'll wrap up tonight's show with a visit from our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry. I'll talk to Tom about the impact that the coronavirus is having on our local PGA and LPGA professionals. We forget they're like small businesses and social distancing and quarantines and, and all of those sorts of things where we have the fear of being out in public and what that impact is on our local teachers. I got to imagine there's some lonely practice tees right about now. So we'll talk about that and the devastating impact that's having on our PG and LPGA professionals. Tom will join me about 45 minutes from now. So there you have it, folks. More great stories and information coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the T. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight. I want to start by reminding you about the great shows that my good friends Mitch and Matthew Lawrence have. Matthew's show is called Backspin Golf, and it's my regular Sunday morning, 8.03 a.m. tea time. You can listen online at WLXG.com. ESPN Radio up in Lexington, Kentucky. Our good friend Perry French leads off the first segment every week with Matthew. He also shares a lot of great golfing content and instruction, which you've heard 
Perry share here on this show recently. Matthew is a fantastic host, and he makes the show so much fun. Listen online at WLXG.com or on the WLXG app. Mitch's show is called Talking Golf Getaways, and you can stream it online at GolfTripX.com. Also available on Audioboom, Stitcher, and Player.fm. Mitch and his co-host Darren Bunch, they take you around the U.S. and Canada to some of the great places that you can go stay and play. Also let you know about some of the hidden gem courses that you might not be aware of. Go online to GolfTripX.com, and that's a letter X, so GolfTripX.com, and check out their podcast. And folks, as you know, we are sponsored by the French Lick Resort. Let's take a listen to Steve Rondonero about what's going on up there. It's a Pete Dye masterpiece, the Pete Dye course at French Lick Resort. Pete says its location on one of the highest points in Indiana makes it special. The long views, you can see many 20 and 30 miles from many of the fairways and many of the tees and greens. And, and you can see it in 360 degrees. Donald Ross's hill course put French Lick on the golf map more than 100 years ago. It's where Walter Hagen won the 1924 PGA Championship and the place where today's Symmetra Tour ladies battle each year. It's the ambience around it that makes the golf course. Combine our many resort amenities with legendary golf and you have a getaway like no other. French Lick Resort is the home of the Senior LPGA Championship, won in 2018 by World Golf Hall of Famer Laura Davies. Play the course's champions play. Plan your trip now, online at FrenchLick.com. Yeah, folks, be sure to go online to FrenchLick.com to see for yourself what a wonderful place they've got and to book your stay as well. Please also check out our friends at the Bobby Jones Apparel Company by going online to BobbyJones.com. They've got their new spring collection out now and their new spring sweaters, polos, and pants, all fantastic. And you're going to see Steve Stricker, Miguel Angel Jimenez, and Ernie Els wearing it out on the Champions Tour. Check it out online by going to bobbyjones.com and enter the coupon code on the T to save 20% at checkout. And folks, this segment of the show is brought to you by TaylorMade and TaylorMade Sim, featuring their new Sim driver designed with a radical new head shape to make the driver both fast and forgiving where you need it most on the downswing. Sim irons with an improved speed bridge and echo dampening system to deliver a distance iron with forge-like feel and the Sim fairway woods with low CG to help you hit it higher and a V-steel sole to launch it even easier out of any lie. Get fit for Sim throughout your entire bag and experience the effect it's going to have on your entire game. Check it out online at taylormadegolf.com for more information on the all-new Sim family. All right, now back and making her second appearance with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is two-time LPGA major champion Jane Geddes. Let me remind you about Jane's background. She is from Somerville, South Carolina. She played her college golf at Florida State, where she helped them win the 1981 National Championship, and she was inducted into their Hall of Fame in 1988. Jane joined the LPGA Tour in 1983, her first victory came at the 1986 Women's U.S. Open. She would back it up with a win the very next week at the Boston Five Classic, becoming one of only four players in LPGA history to win the next week following the U.S. Open. In 1987, that was her best year out on tour, winning five times, including the LPGA Championship and back-to-back -back weeks at the Women's Kemper Open and the GNA Glendale Federal Classic. Jane went back to school after her time on tour and earned her undergraduate degree in criminology at the University of South Florida and her law degree at Stetson. She is now the CEO of the LPGA Legends Tour, and I'm very honored to have her back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. 
Hey, Jane, thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, Chris, thank you so much. And thank you so much for that um, lovely um, bio. But I appreciate that. But thank you so much. It's so great to be back. Jane, I, I got to ask you, these are these are pretty crazy, unprecedented times that we're all dealing yeah. with right now. No, no golf, no sports, no going outside yeah. for a lot of folks. I, I kind of feel like we've gone back a hundred years to what what it must have been like for sports fans back then, because anything you're going to get is going to be on a you know some sort of reel, not uh, not live in person. What, how do you feel about what we're going through right now? It's it's tough. It's it's tough for everybody. You know, I mean. Uh, on one side of it, I, I think, first of all, I feel like we're sort of at the beginning of it. Um, and I, I'm kind of, I have sort of this mindset that I, I'm looking at the next couple of months and saying, all right, you know, hunker down, you know, shelter in place sort of, and let's get through this. Um, but on, on the flip side of that, I, I sort of, I'm one of these people that, you know, believes in a little bit of, and maybe somebody's telling us something, you know, we, we move in fast forward, all of us. Um, with, you know, sort of unprecedented access to whatever we want to do, whenever we want to do it. And this is really making us all step back and, and take a breath, um, and spend a little more time with our families and our friends or the people who you're closest to that you're kind of sheltering in place with. Um, and we look at things, you know, and really, it, I think it, it certainly has made me really appreciate, um, kind of what you have and, and how, uh, you know, like I said, that access that we have to so much that's outside our world, you know, and, and just going to, going to the golf club and going and having lunch and going, you know, hanging out with your friends. And, you know, I just got a, I just got a whole long list of things for my club today. I'm a member of a golf club here in Tampa and, and, um, you know, about getting in a cart. And if you want to come and you got everybody in one cart and you got to wipe it down. And it's like, oh my God. Oh my, you know, like, and you can't eat, you can't eat the food there. You can take it out and you like, everything has rules, you know? And so, um, you know, so, um, it's hard and it's hard when you, uh, think for all of us, all the sports fans, you know, who are looking, who are excited about watching the final four and excited about the masters, excited about, you know, and all these things are getting canceled. Although I have to say today, so far, it's a pretty good day in Tampa Bay. It appears that, um, Tom Brady is interested in coming with Bucks. And so I'm a big Tampa Bay Bucks fan, and um, it appears that he's coming our way. So that was, this has been, you know, a, a little bit of, um, you know, making a little bit of lemonade out of lemons today in Tampa Bay. <laughs> so we'll see. Hopefully it'll get finalized tomorrow, but um, that was kind of fun to watch as it was kind of, you know, un, being unveiled today. So. Yeah, so what do you think of that? If, if he ends up signing with the Bucks. Season tickets, wow. going to the games. What's that going to mean to the city of Tampa? Well, I've already got, I've already got my, I already got my season tickets because I just, um, funny, I, I didn't get them last year. And I, one reason I ended up getting them just a couple of weeks ago. I don't know. I just had an inkling that they, that the, the Bucks are a good team. They've got some amazing receivers and, and, um, a great defense. And I lived here. I've lived off different places, but I happened to live here when they won the Super Bowl, which seems like 55 years ago, you know, but, um, and it was an exciting <laughs> time here and I've remained a Tampa Bay buck, you know, through the down times and the uptimes. And so, um, I'm, I'm good friends with Jason Light, the, the, uh, general manager. Um, uh, our kids go to school together and play football together. And, um, he and his wife are, we're, we're all really good friends. And so, um, you know, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for, I'm happy for the Bucks, and um, you know, hope, hopefully he can get it done. And 
we can get Tom here. It'll be a, it'll be a fun couple of years. Put it that way for Tampa Bay. I can tell we deserve it. Just like a lot of places deserve it, right? But I feel like we deserve it. So <laughs> it's been fun as a football fan watching today. So. So, Gene, you talk about things you're excited about, and you know, I, I want to get your thoughts on the opportunity or the lost opportunity, potentially, the, the Augusta National Women's Amateur event. And I had yeah. tickets to go, and I was excited about going and being a part of that event. Do, do you think we're going to lose it for the year? Do you think we might get it later on in the year? How do you feel about what the status of that event's going to be? You know, it's funny because I heard today that the French Open um, tennis tournament was rescheduled to September. And I said out loud, I guarantee that's what's going to happen with Masters. You know, I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. Um, but uh, I hope that I hope that events like that um, are able to be rescheduled. You know, it just, it's a shame if, you know, if we get to the, when we get, when we get to the other side of this, and hopefully that's, you know, mid to late summer, and you know, think starts leveling out a bit. I, I hope that we can, you know, it, it, it it's going to be a little bit, it's it's going to feel sort of like a patchwork a little bit, and maybe some things don't line up right. But um, you just want um, everyone that is um, you know that that is looking forward to those events to be able to play. I mean, I know the LPJ. I feel horrible for the players. Uh, they you know the the Asian um, swing that starts the year off was canceled, and now um, the you know tournaments through the end of um, March and beginning of April were canceled. That's it, that's a huge financial impact on those players and um and an impact on their season and with the LPGA and, and I know it was a challenging decision for Mike Wan to make. Um and but but I think he made I know he made the right decision and as he said he would have hated to have, you know, continued on and something happened, he would have never forgiven himself. And so um but it's hard. It's hard for um having been in that spot, um I, I can't imagine you know, you're 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 you know, you revolve your entire year um, whether it is the, um, you know, the, the amateur event at, the, at Masters or the LPGA Tour, the PGA Tour, you're, you're revolving your entire life and, um, and off season and, you know, to kind of gear up and then you, you never get to get and get going. Um, so it's, it's hard. It's, and it's so, uh, it's totally unprecedented. The only thing that is, again, you know, is sort of that light at the end of the tutter or something that everyone can look at is that everyone is going through it. Every single person is affected in some way. And so that's what makes it really um, unique overall, you know? So I don't think anyone's feeling sorry for themselves. I think everyone's just kind of taking it in stride, but you know, once we get through it, I think everybody will look back and say, wow, that was hard, you know? Yeah. So to take that sort of idea a half step further for the ones that I feel really sorry for are the, are the young ladies that are just, you know, rookies on the LPGA tour that, you know, we're so excited to get that season started and, you know, their career sort of launched and worked so hard to come up through the Symmetra Tour and, and to get to the LPGA mm-hmm. Tour. Yeah. Girls on the Symmetra Tour that are trying so hard to get to, to that point. And even the ladies on your tour, on the, on the Legends Tour that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. that's, and we'll talk about this in a moment. You guys were building such great momentum with that tour and mm-hmm. starting to get such a following. And now all of that sort of is held in limbo. How do how do you go from there, you know, for the for the young folks and for the girls that uh, yeah, are on your yeah. tour and, and and take the rest of the season? Well, I mean, I again, it, it's just it's happening to everyone, so it it's there's nothing you can do about it. I I think from their perspective, what they're probably hoping 
is that, you know, how, what does the LPJ do and the semester tour do about sort of extending that, right? Does it become a season and a half where you can, you know, um, you know, uh, figure out how to uh, either keep your card or, or, um, you know, make enough money to, to improve your position. There's going to be a lot of decisions that are going to have to be made on every tour about how they manage those points lists and money lists and all of those things that really affect players' lives. Um, you know, that are, you know, am I going to have, if I, you know, what will my priority position be next year? Will I get into events? Will I not? So much of that is, de- is dependent on playing an event, right? All of it's dependent on that. And so, um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, having been on both sides of that with the LTJ, um, you know, they're going to do what they feel is right for the players. That's what it's about. The tour is about the players. Um, and so when it comes to those kind of situations, um, I would imagine that they're going to err on the side of making it fair, right? It's not the player's fault that this happened. Um, so how can we do the right thing as a tour, um, you know, to, to make it fair enough for the, you know, for those players? I don't know what that is. Um, and it's something that's going to be dependent on, when, you know, when this kind of, you know, this uh, comes to an end where they start playing again. But um, it'll be interesting to see how it falls out on both sides of the coin with the PGA and the LPGA. So talk about your tour. Talk about the LPGA Legends Tour. First of all, let's, yeah, let's talk so, about some good stuff. Talk about the growth and the I, schedule for you guys. Yes, yeah, thank you. You know, we um, I, I took over this role, and we I can't, I can't remember. I think it was a few months ago that you and I spoke, and I was still kind of, um, you know, getting organized for this year. I took over this role in, in June of last year. And, um, you know, and, and what I, what I quickly realized is that the, that, that the Legends Tour is not, we're not really a tour, right? We're really a collection of events and a collection of experiences. And, and you said it perfectly, um, um, when, you know, in your intro talking about the Legends Tour that, we are, um, we're some of the greatest players. Some of my members are some of the greatest players in the world. Um, I've got 15 Hall of Famers, uh, 15 Hall of Famers now that are, are members, um, we're stretching from Kathy Whitworth and now Kari Webb this year turned 45 and, um, Julie Inkster and Laura Davies and Amy Alcott and I, I can keep going, going, Nancy Lopez. Um, and so we've got some of the greatest names in the game and, you know, we're, we're all, and, and they were, I was very fortunate to play a lot of golf with, with all of them they're, and they're good friends. And we're all in that stage in our life that we still want to play golf, you know, still want to compete some. Uh, we don't always want to necessarily keep score. Um, but we, we love the game. We understand the value, um, that our experience or, or the experience that fans and or pro-am partners or, you know, whatever, um, that we can provide. And, um, and it's, it's so important to the, um, success of our tour, but also, um, to really, um, to that experience for the people that we touch. And so my job is really, um, you know, putting together and collecting events where we can showcase our players and from the, you know, the senior women's open, um, all the way to pro-ams and team events and, and places where we don't necessarily always have to keep our score. We can still have fun with our, um, with the people that we're playing with and still create those experiences for the people around us. And so it's been fun sort of revamping, um, the Legends Tour. Um, I'm fortunate that I, I, I still work closely with Mike Juan and, and the LPGA and, and have access 
to, you know, his team and to toss ideas off of and, um, and, and talk to Mike, you know, about, you know, some of the things I'm working on, some of the ideas. And I, I feel like we are closer to the LPGA than we've ever been, which is great is where we should be. Um, you know, we've all, the, for the, 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 I would say 98% of us played on tour at some point. And so it's, you know, it's where our heart is. It's what we want. We want to just get back to the game. We want to continue to build something so that women that are 45 and coming up the tour have something to look forward to. It might not be a full-time schedule and that's okay. It doesn't need to be. Um, but it, it keeps the game alive. It keeps the women's game alive and it gives our players the opportunity to really feel like they're giving back. And that's what's important. Um, and so we've added a couple more tournaments this year, um, three or four, I think, uh, this year we've gotten, I've, I've talked to quite a few people that are really interested in doing something with us in 2021. You know, the cycle of putting events together is, you know, eight months to a year and a half. Um, so coming in last June, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm focused on, focused on this year, but I'm also really focused on next year and beyond. And, and it's been nice to talk to people to revisit, um, some of the great cities that we used to play in. Um, you know, whether it's a Toledo or Rochester or Nashville or Dayton, Ohio or, you know, Atlanta. I mean, some of those places that we used to have a great fan base, it's been fun to catch up with those people and figure out how we might be able to come back there. So, um, so it's been great. You know, I mean, we have a little bump in the road right now, but that's okay. Um, you know, we'll get through this and, um, you know, and our players will be ready to go just like every other player on every tour will be ready to go and, and create a great experience for those watching and participating with us. So thank you for asking. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and you, you talk about giving back. And I think one of the ways that your tour gives back is through the access that fans have to the players. Talk about how close to that access actually is. Well, you know, it's, I, I, I tell people the story sort of about where we sit in the, um, um, I guess the, uh, if you looked at the, the beginning of the LPGA and where we are now and my, this era of players, I say my era. Some, some of them, some of the members are a little older than me, but not much. We're all kind of came from the same era. We were sort of the right after the founders kind of period, you know, where Laura Baugh and Jan Stevenson um, became famous. They became sort of, you know, household names. Nancy Lopez comes on the scene and Nancy Lopez becomes a household scene. We get on TV. Um, you know, all of a sudden there's this thing called the LPGA, right? And, People are and and prize money is going up and and uh, people are finally getting paid endorsements and we get put on the map thanks to Ray Volpe and and um, um, John Lopheimer and you know all the guys that kind of came before Mike and 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 created that but the thing that created that was that touch that ability for fans and pro am partners and whatnot to touch the player and to, and to have an amazing experience. And from a player's perspective, when you got on tour back then, there was a unwritten rule. Didn't even ha- they didn't have to write it. You knew that Wednesday, Pro-Am Day, whatever day was, was of the week, that was the most important day of the week, bar none. Yes, you played in your tournament Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and that's where you made the money. And yes, that was important to you. But to the tour, Wednesday was the most important day. And that was the day that you needed to be your, at your best. And so all these players that I'm fortunate to work with now and to have as members, that's, it's just ingrained in what they know and what they love and what, how they 
how they act and, and how they deliver that experience as, um, as, uh, you know, an LPGA, um, member and a Legends Tour member. And so, you know, we don't have our infrastructure at tournaments. We don't have big stands. We don't have a lot of ropes and whatnot. So as you said, when you come to an, a Legends event, it's very up close and personal. The senior women's open only has ropes around the tees and the greens. If you want to, you know, this year will be a Brookfield Country Club in Fairfield, um, Fairfield, Connecticut, um, at Brooklawn Country Club. I don't know what I just said, but Brooklawn Country Club. Um, and come watch us play. You'll be able to walk right down the fairway with me, right next to me. It's, it's, you know, at first wow. we saw, as players, yeah, as players we saw, we thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be awful. And we got done with that week and we all said, that was awesome. Like, don't ever have ropes at any open again. It was such a different experience. But for, for, for the fans to be able to come out and, and have that experience by walking down, right down the fairway, right, right next to us, right behind us or wherever, you know, it was, it's, it's, a, it's a very, very unique environment and something that we're really proud of. And so I, I'm, I'm glad that you, um, that you feel that way, Chris, and you talk about the legends like that because it's something that is really, really special about what we do and what our players do. Um, and, um, and the people that experience us, I always say if someone wants to put on an event and they, you know, they play in a pro-am or we go to it and do a small event, I, I always say like, well, no problem because once we get there and they experience that, that's it. That's, that's all you have to do is just have that experience. Um, so, um, I'm out there trying to get people to, to, um, you know, create those experiences around it so, so we can spread the word. Jane, just a couple more before I let you go. And I got to ask you, we, about a month ago, we lost uh, a legend in Mickey Wright. Um, yeah. ever have an opportunity to spend any time, uh, with Mickey? So I, I did not, except for my one experience with Mickey was, um, we used to have a tournament up in Tallahassee where we had, um, uh, and I, I remember that Centel was one of the sponsors. I'm not sure exactly what it was when we had a, a, a small portion of that event. Um, there, it was uh, basically the legends that came back and played. And Mickey Wright came and played one year. Um, and, you know, Mickey was a bit of a recluse and, uh, and, and really did not, was not out there at all. Unlike, you know, you know, Marilyn Smith and so many of the, the ladies that we, that we all got to know through the years. But I'll tell you that Mickey, whatever her tea time was, um, there wasn't a player. If, if you were happy to be playing during that time when she was on the golf course, you were really bummed because every player that wasn't playing was on the golf course watching, watching her play and watching her swing. It was unbelievable. So that was my experience was going out and watching her play after I got done with my round in Tallahassee. So it was pretty cool. I mean, and you know, it's, it's, that was, you know, Mickey chose to live her life, you know, in a, you know, in a way that she really didn't want to have to, you know, like I said, she just kind of was a, a bit of a loner and, and was what it was. But, um, when I saw some of the, you know, a, after she passed and, and there was a lot of talk about her golf swing and I hadn't seen it in a long time and, you know, saw some of the films and stuff. And I, and I was still like, wow, look at that with tennis shoes, by the way. I, you know, <laughs> not even golf shoes. Feet were bad. I said, I mean, amazing balance, amazing golf swing. You know, and really probably one of the the greatest of all time, one of women. Jane, I want to switch gears with you. And um, you work with the WWE. 
for a while as the uh, vice president of talent relations. And the only correlation, I was trying to kind of get in my head, how do you go from working for the LPGA to the WWE? Where's, where's the correlation? And the only thing I could come up okay. with is the LPGA is sort of a, a group of, you know, folks, group of women going from town to town, sort of putting on a show. And that's sort of what the WWE you is. is. You got is that right? It. That's it. Very good, Chris. That's what I say to people. The the correlation is that it's it's a traveling show. And so uh, what I was doing at the LPJ at the time, I got a phone call from the recruiter at WWE about this the job that I ended up taking. It was amazingly similar to what they were looking for somebody to do. They need somebody to kind of turn around their department and, and kind of sure things up there. And when I first got the phone call, I just started laughing. You know, like I'm, I'm not even a wrestling fan. Um, but, you know, one thing led to another. And, um, you know, I went in for my interview with my boss. His, his real name is Caldebeck, but um, his stage name was Triple H and one of the most famous wrestlers of all time. He's a big guy, big muscles, big, he had long hair and a ponytail. And I walked in the office and I thought to myself, for my first interview with him, and I thought, what am I doing? And Come to find out because we're, we're still friends, but he, we, I ended up being very close to him and, and working very closely with him. He thought the same thing. What in, what have they sent me? A woman and a golfer and what, like, what are we doing here? Um, but we hit it off. Um, and he, uh, Paul was, had come out of, uh, his sport and, or, you know, he was a wrestler and came on the corporate side. I had done just done the same thing in golf. And so we really hit it off and, um, and became very close. And I, you know, I had a successful run there at WWE, but, um, and, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, became a big fan of, of the business and, and the people. Um, and because they're uh, amazing, um, I, I was fortunate to meet a lot of really great, great people that work in that industry, um, that are super dedicated to their craft. And, um, cause it, it ain't easy. Um, I, I tell people say, well, it's fake and it's no big deal. And I said, you know what? If you jump off a top rope and you hit the ground or you hit the ring, guess what? That is not fake. I got to tell you, because that is something else. It hurts. Um, so, um, you know, but it's a, it's a really, I learned so much. It, it was a, I, I got a, a really great view of a totally different business. Um, relative in a lot of ways, but so different in so many other ways. So it was an amazing learning experience for me. And, um, I'm happy to be back in golf, but I think about them a lot, and I think about a lot of the things that I learned when I was there, and, and I'm still um, still a fan. And unfortunately, WrestleMania, which is the big Super Bowl of wrestling, was supposed to be in Tampa this year, and they just canceled it. So um, I was oh. looking forward to, to that. Big, yeah, um, and it's a huge event, um, but and they just they just canceled that. But anyway, um, yeah, it was it, it was uh, it was. It was uh, it was interesting all the way around. I learned a lot about an industry that I never ever thought that I would ever uh, be involved in. So who who was a good golfer that we would be surprised uh, out of the wrestlers? Um, so there were a couple. You know, Cody Rhodes is no longer there. Um, I, I'll you know I'll tell you their their ring names. Um, uh, Brutus, who actually, I'm going to tell you his ring name again. He actually has a show on Fox News now, but he was like, a, this guy was like, he's probably 260, you know, 6'5", giant guy. Like, he was a really good golfer. You know, guys that kind of just grew up in it. And um, we we actually, when, when WrestleMania was in Miami, which was my very first year company, um, we had a, a golf event. 
And so, um, and I was kind of riding around watching everyone. Um, it was kind of a fundraiser kind of thing. So it was fun to watch um, the guys. Um, Ted DiBiase is another one. He was uh, really good, a, a good golfer. And so, um, and the Bella twins, by the way, the two girls who are super famous right now, um, Nikki Bella and Brie Bella were amazing golfers. They were, they were like really? great athletes. And I was shocked. Oh my gosh. I was totally shocked. And they had said, oh, yeah, we played some golf. And so I, I was just, I was shocked. They're very, very good athletes. Anyway, they um, they both played soccer. And I, I think even, um, I think Nikki played uh, D1 soccer and I think blew her knee out or something. But yeah, they're, you know, they're good athletes. And, and so many of the talent are super good athletes. Um, and they just, they, either they, you know, they um, ended up being more on the theatrical side, which is really what it takes there. It takes being a good athlete, but having um, interest in theatrics and interested in, in that sort of side of the business. So they combine um, athletics and theatrics, which is really an interesting combination. Um, so, um, and that's what makes them really interesting people. And the whole dynamic is very interesting, but yeah, I mean, um, it's fun to watch them, but you know, it, as, as golfers know, you know, to be kind of bulked up and muscled up, is not like a great, sort of source of a, you know, great golf swing, as you can imagine. So there was there, you know, I've seen, I saw some really wicked golf swings going on with, you know, a lot of muscles involved <laughs> during that day, but so, but it was fine. They, they totally appreciated me, which was great. They, I was, I, I, you know, I felt like they, they truly respected what I had done and um, thought it was funny. I was doing what I was doing too. And I did too. And we, we got along great. I still have some really great friends from, um, you know, that are, that are talent there that are, I'm still working and still, um, you know, some of the people that are, um, you know, some of the top talent there now. So it's fun. It was fun. It was a great experience. And Jane, before I let you go, remind our listeners, how can they stay up to date with all the great things that you're doing? Follow you and the LPGA Legends Tour, whether it's on your website, online, or on social media. Yeah, uh, you know, thelegendstour.com. Um, and, if you know, we have a Facebook page, The Legends Tour. Um, and you know, that's, that's really it. I mean, we are, um, we're, we're not officially connected to the LPGA, but we are. And so we have a sort of a, a, you know, a social media periphery presence with them, but mostly the legendstore.com, we just new website, new logo, a bunch of new stuff on there, new content. Um, and we'll be starting, um, our season doesn't start till late May. We will be out in the Seattle area. Um, playing this Aquamish uh, Legends Cup um, out in that area. And so come watch us. Um, after that, we'll be back um, in Connecticut um, and back east for the Senior Women's Open and um, and then in French Lick. Um, it's up to them. By the way, one one thing I like to say about French Lick, it's one of the most one of the most unique, beautiful golf courses um, that anyone would ever play. So anybody that has a chance to go there, um, go check it out. It's one, it really is one of the most beautiful pieces of property that, that, um, around. So, um, I, I wanted to kind of throw that in there to our, you know, friends and friends to treat the Legends Tour, um, you know, so great every year. Well, Jane, it's, it's always a privilege having you as part of the show. I hope you'll come back and join me again soon. Hopefully we have some really cool things to talk about. We got golf playing again, but, uh, it's awesome. an incredible privilege having you here and I enjoy getting to spend time with you. Thank you so much, Chris. I, I, I'll come back anytime. It's great spending time with you guys. And thank you for allowing me up to you and talk about the legends. And uh, I appreciate the support. Absolutely. Jane, take care. We look forward to catching up with you again real soon. Thanks, Chris. See you, Jane.
That's a great Jane Geddes, folks. It doesn't get a lot more fun than that. And uh, I'm, I'm telling you, the LPGA Legends Tour is a very special thing. And like we talk about access, you want to get to have the access. You talk about, well, you want to walk the fairways next to an LPGA legend? How great would that be? So I, I encourage you, the, the, uh, the Legends Tour is very special. Check it out online. Give them a follow and, uh, and stay tuned. We'll get Jane back on the show again real soon. Right, before I get to my next guest, Richard Zuckel, I want to give a shout out to our friends over at the Ben Hogan Golf Company. Now, folks, if you haven't hit Ben Hogan iron since maybe the 80s or the 90s, I'm telling you, do yourself a favor. Get a demo iron of either their Fort Worth PTX Pro or Edge irons to go out in the range and compare it to whatever it is you've got. All Ben Hogan woods, irons, and wedges handcrafted one at a time in their Fort Worth, Texas factory. So no mass production, no shortcuts. You can now order custom-made woods, irons, wedges, and hybrids by going online to BenHoganGolf.com. And they're going to build those club stations and, best of all, charge you a fraction of the typical retail price. So go online and check out their complete line of golf equipment, bags, and accessories at BenHoganGolf.com. And, folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by our friends at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. All right, now back in making his fifth appearance with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is former PGA Tour pro Richard Zokel. Let me remind you about Richard's background. He's from Kitimat, uh, British Columbia, which is on the coast in the central part of the province. He played his college golf at Brigham Young from 1977 to 1981, where he helped them finish first or second every year in the Western Athletic Conference. All four, I should say, all four of the years he was there. They finished second in the national championship in 1980. And guess what? Came back and won it all in 1981. Richard won the international champions tournament over in Morocco in 1980. In 2009, that 81 golf team was inducted into the Brigham Young Athletics Hall of Fame. Richard won the 1981 Canadian Amateur Championship by one stroke over Blaine McAllister in a sudden death playoff and then turned pro. Among his other wins were the 1982 British Columbia Open and the 1984 Utah State Open. On the PGA Tour, he won twice in 1992 at the Deposit Guarantee Classic and the Greater Milwaukee Open. 2001 on the what was then the web.com tour, he won the Canadian PGA Championship, and that year he was inducted into the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame. He is now the founder and CEO of MindTrack Golf, which you can find online at MindTrackGolf.com, and very excited he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Richard, thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you, Chris. Uh, it's always a pleasure. I can't believe it's been five times they've been on your show, but uh, I look forward to it each time. I appreciate you. So, Richard, I want to start off. It, it's been a crazy what week plus, right? With a uh, on the PGA Tour, we we, we lose the the Players Championship. But it looks like you know we've lost the Masters for at least a minimum of a few months. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. I want to get your thoughts. Do you think we can get both of those tournaments back, or or have we lost them for uh, for 2020? Well, I don't know. You know, all we can do is wait around <clears throat> and see what tomorrow brings us. I mean, it, it, things are changing so quickly. We, you know, we, 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 we would know these terms flattening the curve or, and social distancing, <laughs> what that even means. And, and, uh, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm guessing that uh, we're so close to Augusta, the Masters, that we will lose it for this year. I'm not so sure they they would want to you know pick it up in in the fall and then have another 
master so close. Uh, you know, they, they like to uh, keep everything, uh, you know, that builds demand in what way would only build more demand than waiting a year, another year. It's just, it's driving us crazy. Those of us who want to watch the masters. So um, it's difficult times they're unprecedented times and things are happening and we're just going to have to wait and see them kind of like golf. You got, you, you know, we're going to have to stay in the moment, stay each day and just see what happens uh, and deal with it as best we can. Richard, I want to get a, a quick thought from you and uh, on the masters. Um, I, I was talking to a couple of folks here recently. I had Andy Leno, who was a caddy on tour for, for many, many years uh, on the show a couple of weeks ago. And we were talking about, uh, hitting to the, uh, the 12th green, what it was like to play the 12th, uh, the 12th hole there at Augusta national and trying to figure out the wind and, and, and that sort of thing. Uh, I know you had an opportunity to play there when, do you remember what it was like playing the 12th and how you decided to try to play it? And how do you try, you know, what was your strategy for trying to get that ball on the green? Well, it's funny you should ask that because I've got a terrific story on that that involved Byron Nelson. Um, so my one and only time that I played the Masters, I, I, it was a cool, it was cool weather that that week and uh, wasn't very warm and and I wasn't playing particularly well. It was right on a cut line and I'm on the 12th hole, um, you know, and trying to make the cut on Friday and right on the verge and, and the pin is where it, you know, it was kind of just over that um, bunker on the right. And, and I was very confused with the shot and, and I hit a shot on the tee and the wind grabbed a hold of it and it came up and went in the water. I end up making a seven on the hole, missed the cut, quite frustrated with, uh, with how things turned out and then I got into the clubhouse and um, I sat down and had a chat with Byron Nelson. I, first of all, I befriended Byron and Peggy up in Banff. They would come up and play this Oilman's event one year they, and they're there every year and, and they bring in an additional PGA Tour player. So I got to know them quite well. So I asked Byron, I said, Byron, you know, just it confused the daylights out of me on how to play the 12th hole and the, you know, the wind hit my ball and he told me, he said, you've got to watch the Spanish moss hanging in the trees and, and, and on to the right of the tree. And particularly Spanish moss is blowing uh, uh, off the 13th tee because it's so light and it moves it ever so gently. Because you, if you look at the 11th hole, the flag, it's going one way. And you look at the flag on the 12th hole, it's going a completely different direction. So and he says, what you have to do is whatever you choose, you know, your club, you're going to hit hit a draw to the middle of the green. And, and uh, my shot, uh, uh, you know, had that little fade to it, which the wind affects it even more. Plop in Ray's Creek, uh, see you later, had a seven, and, uh, and and move on and learn from it. But uh, I, I do have that lovely story of, of talking to Byron Nelson about uh, how to hit that exact, that exact shot. Richard, you were uh, kind enough to share a, a soundbite with me uh, from Rory McElroy, where he talks about not focusing on results, but focusing on the process at hand. I want to play that soundbite for our listeners. I don't think you can ever go into result mode. I don't think that. I don't think that works. I don't think that helps any anything. Or you know, I think you just have to keep going about your business, doing your thing. Um, I think the only way to not win is to concentrate on the results. Uh, so if I, if I can just concentrate on, on what I'm doing and what I'm doing well, what I maybe need to improve on a little bit, you know, just 
you know, break the game down into, you know, different sections, but, but really just try to make it as simple as possible. If, if um, you know, I can, you know, do a few different things in my golf game just a little bit better. Um, you know, the, those, you know, thirds and fifths will, will hopefully turn into wins. But, uh, you know, I, you know, I've had some really good success following this path that I'm on and I'm just really trying to focus on doing the, the little things right, practicing good habits day in, day out. And, you know, if I keep doing those, then, you know, the, the byproduct is, is winning. And yeah, I definitely don't feel like I'm too far away. So, Rich, I want to get your thoughts on that soundbite. Do, do you think the focus on results is what's getting in the way for for guys like Jordan Spieth, or we've seen Brooks Kepka struggle a little bit lately? Are they too focused on getting to the win and the result and losing the process along the way? Yes. Well, it, 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 it's interesting that um, and, and you're absolutely correct. So that soundbite that Rory spoke of was just last week, and he was answering a question from on March the 10th, just as he was preparing for the players championship. And the question came at him like this. The person said, you've been talking a lot in the last year about concentrating on the process rather than the results. And then he said, you know, at what point do you try and shift into more of a result mode and, and, and how you stave off frustrations. And, and Rory came back with that, that answer. And when I heard that, I went, wow, this is music to my ears because this is exactly um, what uh, MindTrack, the company and the product that I've created and, and, and about to launch to the market is all about. And you're absolutely right. It's, it's something where I think all golfers have to get past and learn. And it's, it's from maturity. And, and in the past year, Rory has been talking openly about this discovery of trying not to uh, allow his score be, you know, be identified with who he is as a person. And I think all of us golfers know that, and we failed at this. And the breakthrough is to learn that it's just a game. It's just a game uh, for all of us, whether you're an amateur or a pro, it's just a game for Rory McIlroy, who happens to make you know, tens of millions of dollars at this, but the, but the important thing is learning how to detach emotionally from it. And I think, you know, Brooks Kepka is very aware of this. I think it's absolutely what Jordan Spieth is, is, is struggling with. And most people, they just default to that result and, and, and they think that, that, and it causes them so much consternation and difficulty and anxiety and it causes them to, have a lot of problems with the game and it ultimately is the answer to uh, that emotional freedom. So uh, that's exactly what it's all about. So take that a step further, Richard, if you were working with a guy like Jordan speed, what would you, what would your advice be to him to how to get things back on track? Well, one of the things, and, and, and it leads into where we are last time I spoke with you, we were beta testing the mind track golf app. And uh, if I can jump back in the past year and just say, tell you where we're at. So right at about that time, I went out on the Corn Ferry Tour, introduced it to a couple players out there. And these were targeted people we wanted the prototype app to to work with. So immediately, Mike Weir was playing in a uh, in a uh, Corn Ferry event in, in, in San Antonio, and it stabilized his game. 
Then we gave it to a bunch of targeted players, coaches, and amateurs. And, uh, and then also then I gave it to the guys on the, on Golf Canada's Young Pro Squad. So what it does is it's this very specific protocol. And this is getting to your question is what I would do and what I do do with all players um, is have them download the app and, and it's going to be ready in, a, in, in April. Um, is And then what you do is you use the protocol and follow this very specific protocol of, of your key performance markers. And that's your ability to, <clears throat> to your decision-making on assessing every shot. Then your ability to execute each shot and, and, and we're capturing the information of shot type and the club used. So what it does is it focuses you in the moment and, 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 and you measure your, you measure your, um, your valuation of how well you did it at your level. Cause your ability, Chris, to play golf is different than mine and different than Jordan Spieth's or a 20 handicappers as an example. And it's important each person at their personal level play and perform to their ability and, and, and evaluate at their level. They don't need to be compared to a PGA Tour level. They need to be compared to their own baseline standard. And when you follow this protocol, what it does is it detaches you from the result and it puts your attentional focus on assessing and executing, assessing and executing. And then you get a report based on the shots lost you've had and your and the shots gained you've had and then you're able to self-quantify or have your coach determine how you're going to train based on on your performance on the golf course. So we're gonna we're going to put this out in on the app store next month. The product is going to be free and we're going to beta test it through this season. But to answer that uh question, I would give it to Rory and Jordan and whom all the PGA tour players or anyone who takes this game seriously to put their attention on focusing on this protocol if they want to learn how to detach emotionally from the results and learn how to perform well under pressure. So Richard, explain what the what what the what the app does. Does it marry up to, you know, a a uh, or like a range finder sort of thing? How does it assess what our thought process and what our focus was? And what kind of report does it give us back at the end? Well, what it does is so when you can download in the app, you are able to play any golf course in North America and, 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 you know, so the golf course you're playing. So it's going to download the whole. So on, what it's going to do is let's, let's go right to the first tee. And if the first tee is, you know, let's assume it's a par four and, and you choose a driver. And um, your goal is to make a proper assessment. That's the club you use because maybe it's a narrow hole and you shouldn't use a driver. Maybe perhaps you should use a three wood or if there's a if there's water out there, depending on the shot in that moment, you have as a golfer, you have to assess the type of shot you're going to hit or and um, and the club you're going to pick. And then your other key performance marker is how well you assess ex- executed the shot. So you're going to put an evaluation of your specific level of how well you assess the shot after you hit it. You're going to say my assessment was excellent or unsatisfactory or satisfactory. And then you're going to capture the information 
on how well you executed it in the same way, excellent, satisfactory, or unsatisfactory. And you're going to do that with each shot. And then you're after every hole, you're going to attach a shot lost event, events, or shot gained events, or perhaps no shot lost or shot gained events to each hole. And then what you're going to do, you're going to do this. It takes literally four seconds per shot. It's very easy. And, um, and then at the end of the round, you're going to find out where you're hemorrhaging shots on the golf course. And, and most, and the best way to learn and improve is to stop those wasted shots. And if your, these reports will be emailed to you right after you finish the round. And when you enter your coach's information, they will, your reports will be emailed to your coach as well. And you with your coach are going to be able to figure out where your attention needs to be, uh, you know, placed on in your practice. And your coach is then going to be able to expand this teaching program for you specific to improve your game based on the information and how many shots you lose on an average of every round. So that's what it does. And when the, um, the, the, uh, when the user uses this app without them knowing it, it automatically conditions them to, to put their attention on these two key performance markers and detach emotionally from the results. And it is the protocol that absolutely pulls you into the present moment. So talk about that last part, right? Why do we want to detach from what the score is and, and focus on other things? What, how does that help us? Well, because when we become, let's, let's, let's use this. And I'm going to use a, one of our, our uh, prototype users and, and tell that story. So let's stand on the first tee for a second. So you're about to hit. You know, you're going to hit a shot in about 30 seconds because you, you, your buddy has the honor. And you watch him hook it out of bounds. It's out of bounds left. And, and then you look up and there's water right. What is, when you project to the result, you may, pro, you project that you may hit it out of bounds just like your buddy did in front of you, or you may project that you're going to hit it into the water. That is result oriented thinking. It causes anxiety and it disrupts your ability to execute that shot. Every golfer knows this. We call this golf insanity and everyone repeats this, this mental loop of golf insanity. You got to learn to break it. So this past year, one of our, one of my, um, guys who's on, um, golf Canada, young pro squad. So in golf Canada, they have a team of guys that are out of college. They're young professional players. And, uh, there's this fellow named Taylor Pendrith who graduated Kent state, came out of uh, the same year of Kent state as, um, as one of our, our good players on the Canadian tour, um, uh, Connors. And uh, so Taylor Pendrith is playing on the Canadian tour and he's been playing on the Canadian tour for about three years. And he came out as an all American and he was reckoned to be one of the top, the next best player in Canada coming out of uh, with Corey Connors um, out of that year of Kent state. And they're going to be, you know, the next best thing in Canada. Well, that put a lot of pressure on Taylor Pendrith and it puts a lot of player, this expectation puts a lot of pressure on. And Taylor has been struggling for a few years. He had some, he had some wrist injuries that he had to overcome, but also the mental mindset that has to be in place for these guys who are expecting to play professional golf. And Taylor is an extremely long hitter. So I made a deal with Golf Canada to test 
the young pro squad. So Taylor Pendrith, who was playing on the McKenzie PGA Tour Canada, came to Kelowna, where I live, and uh, the guys missed the cut, and they came in, and I spoke to them and got them to download the MindTrack app, the prototype, in our beta test. So I told them that these young players, that they all have a great game. They all hit at 10 miles, and there's no shot that they can't hit. But what's really going to determine whether they make it or don't make it in professional golf are the thoughts they run through their heads and their expectations and anxiety will hold them back. And they have to learn to be mentally fit. And that's to stay in the present moment. And that's what MindTrack Golf does. So Taylor was very excited about it. He started to use it and he immediately got some results. So in, so the day he downloaded it, Chris, in the, he had the, in the next seven weeks on the PGA Tour Canada, he went T, after missing the cut in Kelowna, he went T48, T16, second, third, win, and then two weeks later, won for the second time by eight shots. And he wow. absolutely stated that mind track was the thing that shifted and changed in his mind. He learned to detach emotionally from his bad shots. So it didn't tear him up emotionally when he hit a bad shot. He let it go. So this is a this is the mental discipline that is still missing and it's a missing it's a gap in performance that we at MindTrack Golf are introducing to the market. And um this is the thing that it, it doesn't really matter if you're one of the best players in the world. I mean we're listening to Rory talk about this, and I believe it's the missing link for Jordan Spieth. Until you, and it, we all know that if you start to be, if you're constantly result oriented or tinkering with your swing or being swing technique conscious while you play, that's very disruptive to performance. And I've created a protocol, a mental protocol, because you can't will yourself into the present moment. You have to. It's kind of like, well, I'm going to join the gym and I'm going to will myself to be physically fit. You can't do that. You have to get on the treadmill. You have to work out. You have to lift some weights. You can't, you know, and, and it's the same thing with your mindset. If you want to change your mind or if you want to change your ability to perform, you have to learn to change your mind. So mind track is the protocol. It's the mental fitness that you have to do on a daily basis if you want to get to that next level and learn how to perform well under pressure. Richard, before I let you go, remind our listeners, how can they go out and get the app, first of all, and then how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing online and over social media as well? Well, I do appreciate that. <clears throat> you can follow me on Twitter at, at Richard Zokel. And keep in mind, we are going to be putting out, and you can – Check, continue watching our, our, our website, mindtrackgolf.com and track is spelled T-R-A-K. There is no C in there. So when we launch this, it's going to be probably, I'm going to, uh, around April 15th, this product is going to be free. It's not, we're not going to have a charge on it. We're looking to get the first thousand users. And then what we're going to do is, is we want a thousand users to play a minimum of 10 rounds. And we're going to monitor this through the summer, through the season, right through the summertime. And then this beta period in the market, you'll, you can go in the app store and download the, 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 the app 
or go to our website and it will direct you how to do it. And then we will take this information and then in the fall, as we build this company, we're going to really decide what we're going to do with it. But we want people to start getting to use MindTrack in order so they can get to that next level um, of dealing with pressure, dealing with their anxiety, and learning how to access the present moment. Well, Richard, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and share more of the information and your insights with us. Sounds fantastic. We've been talking about it for a little while. I'm really excited for you. So this is exciting stuff. I hope you'll come back again, you know, pretty soon and, and kind of give us an update for what you're seeing and how it's going. This is going to be an exciting thing. Thank you, Chris. Stay safe. You too. Folks, that's a great Richard Zokol. Z-O-K-O-L is uh, how you spell his last name. So look him up on, on social media, MindTrackGolf, T-R-A-K on the track part. So MindTrackGolf.com. Look him up, look up that website and keep up to date with what's going on. I'll certainly pass along the information, but it sounds like exciting stuff. I'm looking forward to downloading it and giving it a try and see see what it does for my scores and for my mindset. Because uh, to his point, when you're standing on that first tee with your buddies or on the 18th tee with your buddies and it's kind of close in the match and you're seeing trouble down the left, you see trouble down the right, right? We Our minds go to the wrong place. It's all the things we don't want to have happen instead of focusing on the thing we do want to have happen. So hopefully we get to have Richard back on the show again real soon. All right, before I get to my next guest, Tom Patcher, I want to give a shout out to our friends over at Positive Vibes Golf. Give them a follow online at PositiveVibesGolf.com and on Twitter at PVibesGolf. Their head covers and putter covers are a very unique way. Talk about keeping your mind positive. Well, these guys, these things are going to do it. They're a great on-course training aid because you're going to put positive, happy images in your mind. Every time you walk back to your bag and you see the head covers, you're going to smile. See why I say that by going online to Positive Vibes Golf and give them a follow on Twitter, PVibesGolf. All right, now back again with me here on the French Lake Resort guest line is our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry. As you guys know, one of the top instructors in the game is Tom. You can visit him and improve your game by going to Esplanade Golf and Country Club down in Naples, Florida. You can sign up for video golf lessons through the V1 video app or send him a question on his website at uh, tompatry.com, T-A-T-R-I, so tompatry.com. You can also subscribe to his newsletter on there as well. Tom is also a member of the uh, Titleist Leadership Advisory Board. He was a two-time first-team All-American at Florida Southern, won the Division II National Championship in 1981, inducted into their Sports Hall of Fame in 2004, and always a privilege having him as part of the show tonight. Hey, T.P., how are you, my friend? Christy boy! <laughs> how are you, T.P.? Well, first of all, two things. You told me I was coming on at 845. What time is it right now? I don't know. I don't have a clock in here. I, I, stopped, I stopped looking yeah, at yeah, clocks yeah. on this show. I'm sure. It, well, it's 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 nine oh five. So you get a two shot penalty. That's first thing. Okay. Oh, you're and putting it in the clock, DP. Two clock. It's not a two minute warning. You're 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 in the wrong day. You're almost out, you're almost out of time. <laughs> and number two, and number two, that 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 segment which is local was excellent, but I, I don't think it can help you. I hope he doesn't beta test that on you. He'll be out of business. In the <laughs> well, you said, what do you say, Maybe. Tom? <laughs> to be out of business in the first month, he uses you as a base test. He has to use, he has to pick his, he has to pick his people a little more carefully. He uses you, 
he's in trouble. Wow. You know, up, up the creek. Yeah. So let's, let's go from there. Yeah. Now, where do you want to go from there? <laughs> where exactly do you want to go from there? I don't know how to recover from that one. I got to, I got to get the arrow out of my back, but, uh, I'll see if I can carry on. Um, Tom, here's something I, I want to get your perspective on and on behalf of you and, and all the wonderful PG and LPGA professionals around the country. With all the craziness that we've got going on right now with the coronavirus and everybody's afraid to touch one another or get within six feet of each other, uh, I got to imagine that we've got some, some lonely practice tees right now. I mean, I think one of the things we lose sight of is uh, our PG and LPGA professionals are essentially like small businesses and if we're afraid to go out of our houses, you guys are the ones that are going to really suffer in the game of golf. How do you deal with what's going on right now? Well, before I t- before I sing my songs of woe, let me put this in perspective. Our health, our well-being as a nation, as as a planet, as a people is far 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 more important than than if I give a golf lesson tomorrow or anybody else gives a golf lesson tomorrow. Um I think we're living in very, very scary times right now, Chris. It's uh, it's like a bad movie. It's um, and 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 if it was a movie, it'd be a sci-fi, and we wouldn't believe it anyway. Um, this is a really uh, incredible thing that's going on right now in in a in a really negative way. Um, so for, first, my wishes go out to everybody out there. My thoughts and prayers every morning start with with all you guys and with all my friends and all my family and people I've never laid eyes on. I, I think it's, uh, you know, our, our health and well-being is more important than, than than my lesson book anytime. But that said, I'll give you an example how it's going for, for this business right now. In the last 72 hours between tomorrow morning and June 1, I've had $15,000 worth of cancellations for golf schools. Oh. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's you know for 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 a one man show uh you know and and it's and that's early it's that's in 72 hours so let's let's take this out maybe 14 days from now where will i be um and and i'm not feeling sorry for myself cuz don't get me wrong cuz i'm sure all my brethren are going through the same thing both on the male and female side to teach this wonderful game i'm sure i'm not an isolated case um my, my my teaching partner down here, who you know, Gail Graham. I I I texted her this morning when she wasn't on the tee early. She usually always there bright and early. I said, Gail, where are you today? And she said, My entire day canceled. So wow. that that's that's what's going on out here. Um, you know, I I'll get up tomorrow morning. Right now, tomorrow is um, right now tomorrow is sold out. Thank goodness, knock on wood. But I could I could imagine getting up tomorrow morning at five forty-five, my normal wake up time, and, and I could have four or five text messages that say, you know, pro, I hope you understand, but I'm, I'm not coming. And, and normally when people do that the same day, they, they own that time. But in these times, I, I can't do that. I can't, I can't hold people, you know, to the fire right now. I mean, it, I understand that they're having a lot of second thoughts and a lot of apprehension and, and, uh, I, Chris, I, 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 I think, I think there's a very strong possibility that my summer doesn't happen this year. Um, I, I wow. think that's, that might sound dramatic right now. It might sound a little too dramatic, but I think that's on the table that my summer could fail to exist this summer. Um, and, and as an independent contractor and, and, and that's the, you know, I'm kind of like the dentist. If somebody, if there's nobody in my chair, I'm not filling up, putting a filling in. 
I'm not getting paid. Um, that could be, um, that could be quite a setback. Yeah. To, to that end, Tom, and, and that, that's all lost revenue for you and your peers. It's not like a, a tournament that could get rescheduled. It's not like something that no. might happen later on that's in the gone. year. That's yeah. That's, that's all gone. That's, 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 that's extremely you you difficult. You don't make that. I'll give you an example of what I did. The, the schools that have canceled so far, I take a, I take a non-refundable deposit, you know, in the case that somebody kind of does the wrong thing. And in all those cases, I've extended that credit for a year. Um, because I just think that's what you do in cases like this. So they won't lose their deposit and they'll be able to use it next year, which is even kind of worse for me because now next year they're rescheduled. I've waited a year and it's somebody that I can't book next season in those, in those whatever times they take. So right. that's almost like a double, that's almost like a double hurt. Um, but again, you know, the, the well-being and, and the reason all these people canceled so far, by the way, I just want to make everybody make it clear to everybody is all those people for gospels were flying in from somewhere else and they were scared to get on an airplane. So how could I not, how could I not do the right thing by those people? If that was my own family, my own wife, my own son, would I understand them not getting on an airplane? I, I certainly would. And I'll go a step further. So two mornings ago, when I got two of these text messages about two consecutive golf schools, I got one text message at seven o'clock and one text message at seven ten. So I said, boy, my, my day's starting out pretty good here. I lost two golf schools back to back in 20 minutes. My, my wife's phone then rang and, and she got a news that her, her brother in Dallas was critically ill and dying. So we had a oh nice my. seven to seven, nice seven to seven thirty period two, two, three days ago. And that's the way our week started, you know, so. I mean, um, again, you know, that's called life. You know, it's all part of what goes on and, and we're all going through it right now. I'm not alone. You're not alone in this, this 29,000 PGA members out there across the, the country that are going through the same thing. I think you're going to see golf courses close. I think you're going to see, um, I think you're going to see, I, I heard, I don't, I haven't substantiated this, but I, I just heard a, a tale the other day that, I can't mention the name because I haven't substantiated it, that a very, very prominent golf course in the Northeast the other day closed their front gates, which haven't been closed in 30 years, and padlocked them and put a notice on nobody on the property till further notice under any circumstances. Wow. So I think I think if this thing gets a little bit more out of hand, it looks like it's heading in that direction. Uh, I, I, <laughs> God, I, I'm not wishing this, but I think you could see... I think you can see the golf season put on the golf season, not the PGA tour, our golf season possibly put on hold this summer because I think these clubs from a liability standpoint are really worried about their liability. Do you think from a PGA tour perspective, LPGA tour, corn Ferry tour and the symmetry are, are all of those seasons you think right now, Really seriously in in uh, in jeopardy that we may not see golf until who knows when. I think that's a strong possibility, Chris. How's that for a short answer? I think that I think yeah. that um, if we don't get our collective medical minds wrapped around this thing pretty quickly, I think that's a real possibility. You know, let's let's you know let's not feel sorry for the PJ Tour or the LPJ Tour. Let's let's 
we can talk about Major League Baseball. We can talk about the NHL. We can talk about the NBA. We can talk about March Madness. But you know what, Chris? Back to my original statement. Is that what's really important right now? I mean, I had a I had a dinner scheduled last week with a very dear friend of mine here in Naples who I hadn't seen. He was down visiting uh, for for a month and a half, renting an apartment down here. Who's 81 years old? He's a dear friend of mine. He's had some health problems, and I called him in the morning of the day we we're supposed to have dinner. Give me some. I was supposed to go and have dinner with him. I said to him, Vin, we we can't have dinner with you tonight because I don't know with all the people I've been around. I don't know if I'm not a carrier. And your health is compromised, and I could kill you. I could literally come to have dinner with you, and I could kill you. Yeah. I could infect you and kill you. And and he and you know, 81 years old. He, he's a he's a he's a great soul, good guy. And he didn't really understand it. And he said, "No, Tom, why don't you just wash your hands and come over?" I said, "No, Vin, that's not the way it works." You know. And I, and I said, I, "I can't come over." And he really didn't. He didn't really understand. You know. I mean, he really didn't. So cause there's a lot of people out there, it's incredible, that have not really wrapped their hands and arms and collective minds around this yet. And I'm standing I'm standing in the post office the other day, and the guy behind me is talking to the woman behind me, and he says, yeah, this whole thing's a hoax. And I'm like, wow. I mean, there there's a segment of the population out there that doesn't believe this is real, that it's a hoax, and it's just a political game of some kind. And they are absolutely ignoring all the things that the medical community is suggesting that they do to take precautions. So you have a segment of the population that's not participating in being safe right now. And that segment of the population could cause this thing to really get out of hand. So to answer your question yeah. in a very long-winded way, this, this year could be put on hold on all fronts. Tom, let's let's switch it up. Let's let's find a, a happy place and and, and talk about okay, some good stuff. So. Uh, I'm ready. Um, I want to take you back to your Division Two National Championship victory in '81 <laughs> when you were at Florida Southern playing for Charlie Madlock. We're going to go all the way back, TP. Wow, you wow. won that it, that individual championship by six strokes over your teammate, five. Mike, uh, Mike Domalski, I believe, is how you pronounce five. his name. Five? five? I thought five it was six. Five. Take me back to that victory. And, you know, for a lot of guys, we've seen big leads evaporate. Right? We've seen we've seen Greg Norman blow a big lead. We've seen Jordan Smith, uh, Spieth blow a big lead. You had a big lead. You held on to it. Talk about what it was like being a kid that's, you know, in your teens. I'm guessing you were somewhere... 19-ish years old, winning that event and holding on to a big league? Well, I, I think the fact that you're comparing me winning the NCAA Division II National Championship in 1981 to Greg Norman and Nick Fowles at the Masters shows just how insane you really are. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> Which gets back to why Richard shouldn't give me the, uh, the app, but... Exactly. That's exactly. okay. There you go. Now, you, now, now you understand, right? So I hope I hope <laughs> the people out there are laughing their asses off, you know, in their collective living rooms listening to this. So, well, so I'll answer it this way. To understand that lead and that victory, we have to go back to 1980, the year before, where I led for the first, the second, and the third rounds of the same national championship the year before. I don't know if you know this or not, Chris, but I was the third round leader going to the, you know, going to the fourth round 
the year before, the same national championship. And I got the very hard golf course, playing very difficult the last day. I mean, really, par is a great score. And I got to the 16th tee of the last round, and I was even par for the day and playing pretty well considering the conditions. And Charlie Matlock, God rest his soul, came up to me on 16th tee, and he said to me, do you know, do you want to know how you stand? And, and I, and Chris, I got to tell you, I, I, I had a three shot lead starting the day uh, in 1980. And I felt like, you know, there were no scoreboards back then in division two golf. And I had to imagine I was still leading by a couple. And I said, sure. How do I stand? He said, you're two behind. And I, and I kind of shook wow. him, like, what'd you say? He said, you're two behind. Paul Perini from Troy State shot 66 today, three groups ahead of you. He's got you by two. He's in the clubhouse. So the 16th was a par five with an island green. And my game plan for the entire tournament was to, to drive it out there and lay it up and hit a wedge shot in. And that last round, I hit a really good drive and I got down there and I was right on the go number. But my, my, my philosophy for the whole tournament had been to lay up. And I said, well, <laughs> I got three holes to play and I'm two back. I, I got to go here. I got to make something happen. I knocked it on the green and two put it for birdie. And I was one back and the 17th hole was a par three island green coming back the other way. And I hit it to a foot and made another birdie. And now I'm tied. So I'm standing on 18T back to even again. And I hit a cut off the tee on a dog leg left. And it kind of took a kick on the right side of the fairway. And I thought it was fine. And I get down there. And it had kicked pretty hard right. And it gotten into the tree line, just the edge of the tree line. And I had, back then, it doesn't happen anymore. Right? We have hybrids now. But I had a two or three iron shot. And I had to hit this big carve, carve shot around these trees. And I carved it out right in the upslope in front of the green. And it was a two-tier green, and the pin was on the back tier. And I chipped it up there to about three and a half feet. And I, I, I hate telling the story, but I hit it. I hit a really good putt right in the center of the face. And it was dead center, half the ball hanging over the front of the hole, short, looking in. And I, lo I lose by one. I finished second. Oh. So that sets up 1981. So. Do you know who, Chris, do you know who Buddy Alexander is? I do not. So Buddy Alexander just retired a few years back. He was the, the, uh, longtime coach at the University of Florida. Um, you know, Camila Vijegas and Brian Gay and, and Billy Horschel and all those guys played for him. Buddy won two national championships at Florida. Well, when I got to Florida Southern, he was living there and playing professional golf. And not that he, not that he taught me how to play golf, but we spent a lot of time together. He was a very positive influence on me while I was at Florida Southern. And in 1981, I was leading after the third round again. And my phone rang in my hotel room. I'll never forget about 10 o'clock the night before the last round. And I picked up the phone. He said, he said, TP? I said, yeah, he says, it's Buddy. I said, Bud, what's going on? He goes, well, you had the thir third round lead last year. And you screwed it up. Don't screw it up tomorrow. And he hung up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I just had to start laughing because we had a kind of relationship where that was the kind of things he said to each other. And he called basically just to loosen me up because he knew I was probably tight as a drum. And, and then my mindset going into the last round was, you know, how many people have a chance to win a national championship, let alone two chances in two years? This is not going to happen again. And my attitude was, you know what? It's not going to happen again. And that was my attitude. 
And the last round turned kind of bad weather and kind of played really hard. And uh, the scores were not going to be low. And it was one of those golf courses. It was a long, nasty golf course with deep, rough, and fast greens. And it was kind of a just hit it out there and gouge it and get it up and down and just grind your way around. And it turns out that the last round I was paired with Paul Perini, the guy who had shot 66 the, day, the year before to beat me. And we were paired together, which made it even more ironic. And there was a turning point on the ninth hole where I had about a five or six footer for par and he had knocked it in a hazard and made a double and I knocked it in for par. And it was a two shot swing right there, which gave me a cushion. And, and, you know, as they say, the rest is history, but it was just a, it was a mindset. It was that, you know, nobody gets two chances at this thing. It's not going to happen again. I learned my lesson last year. Let's let, you know, par, you know, whatever, whatever I thought was good enough isn't good enough. Let's just keep going. And Tom Patrick isn't the only great alumni player from Florida Southern. The guys like no, Lee Jansen, Rocco Mediate played there. Talk about, did you have an opportunity to, you know, whether it's at an alumni event or along the way to, to talk to Jansen and Mediate? Yeah, you know, I mean, Charlie Malik, God rest his soul, just, you know, people don't appreciate what he did at that Division II school. You know, we, uh, we played almost, you could do this back then, you can't do it anymore. We played almost a completely Division One schedule until we got to our regional tournament. So, truth is, what he did back then, Chris, was he created a mindset that we played on a weekly basis. We played against Florida and Florida State and Georgia and Alabama and Wake Forest and, and LSU and Texas and Tennessee and Auburn and, you know, I can go on and on, Ohio State. And we played against some great Oklahoma State, some great schools as a little division two school. And by the way, we had a team that was, was very competitive with those schools in those days. It was unheard of for a division two school to be that competitive. Um, and if you look at the alumni list, like you said, Lee Jansen, two-time U.S. Open champion, Rocco Mediate takes Tiger to multiple extra holes in the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. Marco Dawson wins the British Senior Open. Um, you know, the, the, the alumni list there is pretty long in story. That he he got these guys to go to this little Division II school in Lakeland, Florida. Uh, I think he had something like 83 first-team All-Americans. Um, I don't know. I think they've won 13 national championships now. Charlie passed away a couple of years ago. Um, so yeah, I, I do keep in touch with some of those guys. Rocco still spends some time in Naples. I see him. Marco, I keep in touch with a little bit. He's on, you know, on the senior tours as is Lee. I don't see Lee as much. There's a young man named Ralph Howe, who's actually a minister in Orlando now who won the pub links and played in the masters, played at Florida Southern. Um, so I, I keep in touch with a lot of these guys that were kind of my era or just behind me. And, and actually I was asked to go up there by Lee White, the new head, the new head coach there this year. And I spent the day with both the men's and women's teams this year. So I spent some time back there and try to give back to that program. Um, it, it's a hell of a little school. Lakeland's a great little town. Um, it's a Methodist school. The United Methodist church is based in Lakeland, Florida. So it's kind of their little crown jewel. And they, they, they take a lot of pride in the school. It's a wonderful old Frank Lloyd Wright campus. Um, it's a cool place. It's got a great baseball heritage. Uh, it's got a pretty decent basketball heritage. As a matter of fact, my senior year, Chris, we won national golf. I won the individual. We won the team also. We won national basketball and national baseball in the same year. How's that? Wow. Yeah, that's a heck yeah. of a year. And that was so much fun. I mean, because the, the baseball players supported the golfers. The golfers went to baseball games. The basketball players went to baseball games. The baseball players went to basketball games. We all kind of sat together. Uh, it was a real, it was a big, small school. 
and uh, and we really, you know, we really supported one another. Um, it was a great, it's still a great environment. It's a great, great environment. And Lee White, who's the coach in there, does an awesome job. Uh, watch the name John Vanderlyn, who's playing on the Corn Ferry Tour right now. He came out last year, uh, and he's and he's he's kicking ass right now on the Corn Ferry Tour. He's, had, he's off to a very good start. If I'm not mistaken, he's in the top 15 money winners right now. Um, so they continue to produce very, very good players. Tom, I want to get a couple of playing lessons tonight before I let you go. And and you've posted a video of Seve hitting some that looks like wedge shots out on the driving range. And what a beautiful, rhythmic, fluid swing he had. How can we try to develop some of that nice rhythmic tempo in our swings like we saw in uh, in the swing that Seve had? I think we got to stop watching TV. So we have a good chance right now to take a break because there's no tour on TV right now. And we've got to get out of the mindset as recreational players that the only thing that matters is distance. We don't possess the physical capabilities of Adam Scott, you know, of whoever you want to talk about today who hits them, you know, some of these kids hit it a mile as a recreational player, whether we're 30, 40 or 50 or 60 years old, you know, we don't play golf eight days a week, 25 hours a day, 366 days a year. We've got to hit the golf ball in the middle of the club face we got to make balanced golf swings. And we've got to get out of the mindset that, you know, the only thing that matters at our home club at 6,200, 6,300 yards is distance because it doesn't. We've got to hit the ball in play. We've got to hit the ball on around the green, and we've got to chip and putt at a higher level. And those, those swings of Seve I posted for a reason. You saw the quote I had there about tempo and what a beautiful arm swing it was and balance. Um, the recreational player plays golf, in my estimation, a very high percentage of the time out of balance because they're swinging too hard at the golf ball for their physical capabilities. So consequently, they do not hit the center of the club face, and they do not hit very good shots, and they find themselves in very difficult positions. The mindset's got to change for the recreational player. Tom, let's talk about the very basic fundamentals of the, of the golf swing, and I want to get a tip on how we know, that we, or how can we check to make sure in our takeaway that we are on the right plane. You've got a wonderful tool, I know, at your golf school, but is there something that we can be doing to make sure, just sort of in our practice swings and our setup and our takeaway, that we're getting the club back on the right plane? You know, and, and, and that's a great question, Chris. I think most people don't even understand what, the, what they mean by, what, what, a, what a teacher means by on plane or off plane. So if you can picture in a very simple way that every club in your bag is built on an incline, uh, we call it a lie angle. Um, you know, whether it's your wedge or your driver, it's on a particular incline or a particular lie angle. And if you could picture turning that club upside down in the dress and pointing it through the center of your chest, out, out the middle of your back, on the same incline that is in front of you on the ground, that's the plane of your golf swing. And we've got to move the club around our body in that exact inclination, if you will, and return it to that place at that point we call impact. Um, and most people come out of the starting gates and almost are immediately off plane because they don't understand. They don't have a picture in their head of what plane is. So that, that device you're talking about at my golf schools, I built a very, very, it's really very, very crude. It's a plane board and I've got adjustable legs on it. So I can kind of tilt that board any, in any inclination I want. So what I do with people is I walk them over to it and I'll lay their seven iron against it or their driver against it or their five iron against it, whatever it is. And I'll put the, the board, I'll tilt the board to the exact incline or lie angle of their, of their golf club. 
And then I'll take the golf club and I'll turn it upside down and lay it against the board on an upward inclination at the top of the board and show them that at the top of their backswing, the club should be on a similar inclination. And they kind of go, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that that kind of stayed that way throughout the golf swing. Right, so that's on plane. And then I make, I make, I'll purposely take the club and I'll, I'll tilt the club in my hands so it doesn't match the incline of the board, either in a, in a, in what you would call a flatter manner or a more vertical manner and say that's above plane and that's below plane. So I think the first thing you have to do is understand what plane looks like. You have to have a visual inclination of what plane looks like to understand it and then how it's going to orbit your body based on the posture you prepare to hit the shot in. Did I do that okay, Krista? Is that picture? Is that a good picture? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great picture. Absolutely, it is. Yeah. So I don't. I don't this is where I would. Go ahead. I don't think people have that picture, Chris. I think it's important that you know the most famous picture. And we all, I think, we've all seen this picture. I'm, I'm sure you have. We've all seen that picture of Ben Hogan's plane of glass from his Five Fundamentals. Right. I, I think, I think right. most people should take. They should take that picture to their home printer. And print it out on a piece of paper and then blow it up and laminate it. They should stick it on their bathroom mirror and look at it every morning. That's good advice. Interesting. Have to try that. I got to start rudimentary, right? I got to, you know, let's, yeah, absolutely, let's right. start out right. easy. TP, this is the, the place where I would ask you about how our, how our folks can stay up to date with you. Um, I know with all those struggles, but I know you're still doing some other stuff. For our listeners who might hesitate, to want to come out in public or get on the, the practice range. You do some video stuff too, right? Yeah. And, and you know, Chris, I, it's funny you should say that because I've given out a lot of thought the last two days about ramping that up and, and, and offering a lot of special pricing, which is probably going to come come out this week. So they can they can check in with me by emailing me at tpatriotmindspring.com. But I'm, I'm probably going to make that a very, 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 very affordable option for people right now in light of what's going on. Not so much because it's going to I'm going to drive a lot of income from it because I'm not. I'm going to price it so cheaply, but just so people can have something to do with their golf game and get some information if they need it. They can find me on the uh, on V1 online academies. They can scroll down on the uh, on the teacher list and 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 choose me and then send me video. Um, I would tell you basically right now, anybody that that emails me a video and tags it Corona will get all that pricing at half price right now based on the on the tee special via Chris Mascaro. There you go. There you yeah. go. From a video perspective, so if, if folks want to send you video and they, and, you, and they go out through the V1 app and all that sort of thing, talk about what right. angle and what view you want to see so that you can really give them good feedback based on what you're, what you're seeing. Is it behind? That's a perpendicular. Where do you want to see their golf swing? Yeah, that's that's a great question, Chris. I want two views. Every time you send me a view of a particular golf club, the same golf club, the seven iron, for example, I want a face-on view. We call that the caddy view. Very square to you, face-on. It's important that I don't lose the club head in any part of the video, so it has to be a little wider so I can see the club head orbit your body completely. And then the down-the-line view from behind, I would want the camera right on your hand line. Uh, and again, I don't want to lose the club head at any juncture of the video. Um, and, and feel free to send it through. And when you send it through, um, it'll be tagged with your, obviously your email, send me a simultaneous email to me and say, Hey, Tom, I just sent it through. My name is so-and-so my email address is this. So you're going to be getting a video from me 
and it, uh, I heard you on on the tee, and would you offer me the half price special? Um, the first video, I'll go even a step further, Chris. Every first video you're, that your listeners send in, every first one is free. Wow. There you go. Appreciate yeah. you, Tom. Yeah. And here, here's the thing. You're, you're not getting off, no, you're not getting off the radio tonight. Okay. Off this podcast tonight without with us talking about baseball. Okay. Cause my, What's my, baseball? As, as, there's no baseball. Yeah. Exactly. As your heart is broken, so <laughs> is mine. I mean, I, I, I can't believe, um, you know, now I'm gonna now I'm gonna feel sorry for myself. I can't believe no Masters, I can't believe no March Madness, which is my favorite of all time. And then of course, right in the middle of spring training, they shut it down, and I'm I'm looking for some spring training games to go to, and 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 we don't we don't have any of that. I mean, I, I it just I don't want me to harp on it, but it's incredible to me. It's like the world the world has stood still. It's really eerie. Yeah, you know, and you I was know? talking to Jane Gettys about this at the top of the show. But it, I, I feel like we're, it's like a hundred years ago, right? The only, you couldn't watch any, there were no sports on TV. You sort of got newsreel stuff back in the, you know, the 1910s and 20s. And, and, uh, and, and even you, you know, you don't have to go back all that far to remember a time when the only part of the Masters you got to see was the last few holes on Sunday. Right. So right. I, I feel like we're, we're kind of, we don't even get that right. now. Right, because of everything's right. on hold. But yeah, this is a very eerie. There's like nothing. I, you know, yeah. on the, on the upside, I'm watching a heck of a lot of the 2004 Red Sox uh, run through the <laughs> the postseason. You oh, have those happy here memories. Here we go. Uh, and, I knew you know, that was so here we go. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, we get to watch the, that, the greatest choke, the greatest choke oh. in uh, sports history. So that's oh, that's my oh, happy spot. You know here I am trying to throw you a bone. I'm trying to throw you a bone to help you out, and you come back with you come back with a dagger, uh, a dagger. <laughs> hey, by, by the way, just 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 just, just to touche you, you got a little gift coming in the mail. It should arrive any day now. Oh yeah, really? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Chanel, your friend here's your friend Tom doing something nice for you, and you want to take a shot at me right away. You see how it is? <laughs> you see that? Hey, See? we're going to bookend it. I got the I got the knife in my back at the start of this this interview or conversation, and now I'm going to give it right I back hope, to you on the way I out. Hope, I hope when that present comes in the mail and you open it up, you feel really bad about taking that shot at me tonight. I hope you feel really bad. <laughs> I won't. I won't. I promise you. Yeah, not. I know you won't. I know you won't. I know you won't. <laughs> TP, you're the best, my friend. Uh, hopefully. Uh, we have better things to talk about in a couple of weeks. We get a light at the end of the tunnel and life kind of gets back to at least on the track to being more normal in between now and then, my friend, I hope, I hope the videos start coming through and uh, you can start doing some of that stuff. Uh, and uh, certainly a good health to, uh, to you and the missus and uh, you know, be safe, my friend. Chris, Chris, to you and your family and all your listeners out there, everybody's tuned in and, and follows you and as they should follow you. Um, Everybody out there is in my thoughts and prayers every day, and uh, let's get through this together. And uh, there's got to be better times ahead. Keep the faith. Thanks for having me on, pal. That's right. Hi, my friend. Take care. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. Thanks, Chris. That's the great Tom Patry, P-A-T-R-I, TomPatry.com. Folks, go on there if, if you're sort of hesitant and want to you, you say, look, I, I got to work on my game here, right? I can't, I can't be a recluse now. Uh, but uh, maybe you're not comfortable getting out on the practice tees and that sort of thing, and you're worried about crowds and all of that. And again, 
like Tom says, we want everyone to be healthy and be safe out there. Do the video thing. Get get Tom your video. And again, first one free, right? So get Tom your video and have him critique and, and give you some pointers and some tips and then go from there. You know, whether that's your, you're in your backyard, if, if you do have a, a large practice range nearby where we can keep our social distance, right? Everyone six feet and uh, you, you can get that social distance and go out and hit some golf balls and get the instruction from a guy like Tom. Your, your game is going to thank you for it. Whenever we're ready to get back out on the golf course, if you've got video lessons from Tom Patry, he's going to improve every part of your game. You know, you know, Tom, short game, short game, short game, right? So he's going to help you improve that. He's going to help you improve off the tee, and I'm sure he'll help you improve on your putting. Tom's a, a heck of a putting instructor. So improve all of that stuff while you're gearing up, and we're waiting for all of this to pass. TomPatry.com, P-A-T-R-I. He's absolutely the best. All right, folks, time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Tee. My sincere thanks go out to Jane Geddes, Richard Zoko, and Tom Patry tonight. Please check out our website, nextonthetee.net, to keep up with who our guest schedule or what our guest schedule looks like and who we've got joining us. You can stream us on a number of great podcasting sites and apps. Podcast.co, those guys fantastic for what they're helping us do with the show. Podbean, can't thank those guys enough. Download the Podbean app. You can take us with you everywhere you go. They're featuring us right there on the app in the golf section. Really appreciate them. Launchpad.com, Spotify, iHeart, Audioboom, Player.fm. If you've got a favorite site with podcasts, we're probably on it. Folks, I can't thank you enough for choosing to listen to this show again this week and making us a part of your golfing content. We appreciate you guys very much. If you enjoy the show, please tell all your friends to give us a listen. We appreciate the spread of spreading the word. It means a lot to us. And until next week, hit them straight, my friends.